Welcome back to our continuation of our discussion from workshop number one in the 2021 NICE project. I would love to hear about Tarzan. I'm sure you would because I had to convince you to, I had to do some convincing to get Tarzan of the Apes uh, uh, as one of our four. And uh, in our, hopefully in our fifth workshop, we can go a lot deeper into why that was so important to me. But um, uh, let me just say that Tarzan of the Apes uh, was written by Edgar Rice Burroughs. It was published in 1912. And um, a lot of people assume that Edgar Rice Burroughs was English. He was an American writer, he lived in America, um, and he wrote stories that, you know, basically helped create what we call sci-fi fantasy now. You know, he was one of those kind of writers. And this particular book is the first in a series of, wait for it, 24 Tarzan books that he wrote about character Tarzan his title character and the series was published between 1912 and 1966 and after the first 24 books there were several more novels either co-written by Burroughs and someone else or officially authorized by his estate that uh, came after 1966 and the original 24 books and I will say I've read all of the original 24 books so <laughs> I'm a little bit of a aficionado. <laughs> um, but Edgar Rice Burroughs was born in, but, uh, excuse me, was born on September 1st in 1875, and he died uh, March 19th in 1950. He was known as an American speculative fiction writer, what, you know, we think of today as being more sci-fi fantasy. And he was best known for this prolific output in the adventure, science fiction, and fantasy genres. Uh, most of us have heard of the Tarzan books. Um, some of his other well-known creations were John Carter of Mars, and that was from the Barsoom series, and Carson Napier of Venus from the Amtor series. I admit I have not read those. <laughs> not, in a, not in a long time, anyway. Um, he was of almost entirely English ancestry. And he had an obsession with the British, you know, British, uh, I don't know what you call that, culture, I guess. Uh, and his family line had been in North America since the colonial era. Now, the Burroughs side of his family immigrated to Massachusetts in the early 17th century, at the same time that his maternal side of the family came to America. Many of his ancestors fought in the American Revolution, which is an int interesting given his love of, of British stuff, <laughs> of Britain. <laughs> um, and some of his ancestors settled in Virginia during the colonial period. Now, Burroughs often was, well, he was well known to emphasize just how British he was and his connection with the paternal side of his family. He saw them as being romantic and warlike, okay? And he counted among his relatives no less than seven signers of the U.S. Declaration of Independence, including his third cousin, four times removed, second president of the United States, John Adams. So this was a guy who was very into this kind of ancestry, Great Britain, British colonialism. This, he, in spite of the fact that his ancestors fought on the, you know, in the American Revolution, he really was, uh, what do you call that, a Britophile? I don't know what you call that. Anglophile. Anglophile, yeah, thank you. 
Um, he had an, an, an active imagination, obviously. And according to Gore Vidal, who I think wrote a, uh, at least a brief biography of him, uh, he said that uh, when Burroughs was unsatisfied with reality, that he would then, quote unquote, quote, he, he consoled himself with an inner world where he was strong and handsome, adored by beautiful women, and worshipped by exotic races, end quote. That's a, that's a telling quote by Gore Vidal about Burroughs. Mm -hmm. The Tarzan stories served as a form of masculine escape that inspired men and boys, and I will say white men and boys, <laughs> mostly I would say. The adventurous character of Tarzan also appealed to wider white American audience over many decades as a powerful means of escaping the sense of boredom and frustration that accompanies a confining society, you know? And in the 20th century, that's what everybody was feeling like in America, apparently, because Tarzan was the great escape. Anyway, it seemed to a lot of white Americans in the 20th century, they had a desire to reconquer a home that seemed lost. Now, in the popular, there, there's a book called The Popular Book, A History of America's Literary Taste that was published in 1950. And its author, James David Hart, says, quote, In the eyes of contemporary man, huddled in large cities and frustrated by a restrictive civilization, Tarzan was a joyous symbol of primitivism, an affirmation of life, endowing the reader with a Promethean sense of power. Now, my voice kind of went funny in that because I think that's hilarious. I think it's true. I mean, I think the guy was accurate in 1950 writing that. I think that's exactly what the Tarzan series did. The reason I sounded funny is because this book is so full of problematic content that is, you know, the science is off, the the civilization stuff is off, gender stuff is off, racist stuff is off. Everything is wrong in this book, we know, by modern standards. And yet, it can be enjoyed as a kind of a fun, crazy read if you can put it in the context of knowing that all of the stuff that made it so popular, or at least a lot of the stuff that made it so popular for generation after generation of white American, or I should just say white anywhere, people anywhere, uh, a lot of that stuff is false. It's not true. It's not accurate. But the story, the characters, the, the way the story is told, you could still get something out of it. And that's why I wanted to look at it this year. I wanted us to have that chance to really look at this weird, crazy sci-fi story that is so rife with things that just, you know, scientifically and naturally and, and historically and everything are just kind of crazy and made up, um, but still have some fun with it too. So that's my little bio. We'll talk more about crazy old Edgar Rice Burroughs in Workshop 5, but uh, uh, try to do a brief summary of the plot. It's kind of hard to briefly summarize this one, but I'll, I'll give it a go. So, John and Alice Clayton are the Viscount and Lady Greystoke from England, and they are marooned, that means left to die by a mutinied crew on a boat, in the western coastal jungles of Equatorial Africa in 1888. 
Clayton builds a treehouse cabin for their protection. Hence, decades of loves of treehouses by young men and boys and fathers for decades to come, right? This wonderful treehouse cabin. And very soon, their son, John Clayton II, is born. When he is one year old, his mother, Alice, dies. And soon thereafter, his father is killed by the savage king ape, Kerchak. The infant is then adopted by she-ape Kala, whose own baby has just died. Kala puts her dead baby in the human baby's crib, and she takes the human baby with her. The young John Clayton is named Tarzan, which means white skin in the ape language. Yes, the apes have a language. <laughs> this is so fun. And he's raised in ignorance of his human heritage. He thinks he's an ape. He just doesn't have any hair. <laughs> As a boy, he feels alienated from his fellow apes due to his physical differences, including the fact that his childhood peers are all faster, stronger, everything than he is as he grows up. Those, those baby apes just can do all kinds of stuff faster than a human baby. Tarzan eventually discovers Lord Clayton's treehouse cabin, and that's where he first learns of others like himself in the Clayton's books. He doesn't realize that the deceased Claytons are his true parents. Over many years, he teaches himself to read English, but having never heard it, he cannot speak it. One time, on, a return, on one of his returns from a visit to the cabin, he's attacked by a huge gorilla, not the same as, you know, uh, Kerchak or any of the others, and he manages to kill the gorilla with John Clayton's knife. This kill is a turning point in his young life because he realizes with a weapon like a knife, a human invention, he can fight, win, and survive. As he grows up, Tarzan becomes a skilled hunter, which makes Kerchak, the ape, leader very jealous so jealous that he attacks tarzan tarzan kills kerchak and takes his place as king of the apes hence the name tarzan of the apes and later he he uh for the first time ever in his life he encounters a tribe of black africans that settle in the area and this is another turning point in his life because these are also humans they look like him they just have a different color skin right but they are not friends because Tarzan's adopted mother, Kala, is killed by one of them. Tarzan just, I mean, this is a very poignant part of the story when Kala dies. And he takes his revenge by killing the man who killed Kala. And from then on, he just drives this tribe crazy. He plays pranks on them. He raids their village for weapons. And he kills a lot of them. And they don't see him ever. So they just think he's an evil spirit who's like haunting their village. And they try to placate him with offerings of food. That doesn't work. But anyway, when Tarzan is 21 years of age, a new party is marooned on the coast. Isn't that coincidental? Including Professor Porter with his 19-year-old daughter, Jane. She is the first white woman that Tarzan has ever seen. Tarzan's own cousin, coincidentally, William Cecil Clayton, who is the unwitting usurper of the ape man's ancestral English estate, is also in the group that's marooned. He spies on them. Tarzan spies on these people. He helps them out in secret. They don't see him. He gives them food and stuff like that. He saves Jane from the perils of the jungle, which we'll talk more about in workshop number five. Also in this party is a French naval officer named Paul Darno, whom Tarzan rescues from another from the African natives. At the time that Tarzan is rescuing Darno, 
the, a rescue ship comes and recovers the rest of the other castaways. So Jane and Professor Porter and William Cecil Clayton, they're gone now. And it's just Tarzan and Darno alone in the jungle. And while Darno is recovering from his injuries, he teaches Tarzan to speak French and offers to take him to the land of the white men where he might connect with Jane again because Tarzan is in love with Jane. And on the journey, which they're walking, 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 getting to where they're going, Darno teaches Tarzan how to behave among white men, um, and in the months that they spend together, Tarzan, Tarzan also learns to speak English. And eventually, Tarzan travels to find Jane in Wisconsin, in America, where she's from, and he rescues her from a fire, but he learns the bitter news that she has just become engaged to his cousin, William Cecil Clayton. Meanwhile, clues from his parents' cabin have convinced Darno to prove that Tarzan is truly John Clayton II. And he is. It is proven. However, instead of reclaiming his inheritance from William, Tarzan chooses to conceal and renounce his heritage for the sake of Jane's happiness, and he returns to the African jungle. And you have to read the second book to find out what happens next. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> what, what I appreciated most about that is that you laid your, your back of your hand. I know, your, yeah. Is it, he was so, he was so honorable. Yeah. <laughs> he sacrificed his love for Jane. Yeah, no. And it really, you know, it's kind of ironic because, uh, spoiler alert again, Jane really loves Tarzan. She just uh, has convinced herself that uh, William Cecil Clayton is the guy she should actually marry, but she really does love Tarzan. So this is a story of star-crossed lovers. I mean, there's themes, themes could be, okay, first of all, themes are all the prob problematic content. We gotta deal with that, the racism, the superiority of white, British, upper-class mm -hmm. gentlemen, whatever, versus anyone else. Um, although I suppose you could take out the British because even, I mean, Darno's French, but you know, it's just that white superiority just is just whew, rife in this book. The discussion from workshop number one in the 2021 NICE project continues in our next At the Roundtable episode.